Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with the theme of unity as proclaimed by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Today, we look at the finished work of Christ as the basis for the unity composed of incredible diversity. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he preaches today's portion of this week's message entitled, Why We Are One in Christ. Now, this morning we do come to Ephesians chapter 4, and our target is verses 4 through 7. And since we've been away from Ephesians for a few weeks, I I thought maybe a quick refresher in some different words than we've done it before might be helpful for you. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul during his imprisonment in Rome, which you read about in Acts chapter 28. Paul had, during his three missionary journeys, spent more time in Ephesus than any other place during those times, a total there of about three years. And during that time, several other churches in the Roman province called Asia uh, were planted as well. When you see in the book of Acts, when you see in the New Testament, Asia, don't think the gigantic continent where China is, think of a Roman province of Asia in what we would now call Turkey. It's sometimes called uh, Asia Minor. Ephesus was the main city in that area, but you get an idea of how the gospel spread during those three years, and we're not told the exact, exact logistics, but it's almost a certainty that it was members of the team of the Apostle Paul who went on and planted churches in that circle around that trade route, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And um, I think I skipped one. That's okay. I don't remember. Um, and there, those are among the churches that were planted there. There was also uh, Colossae and Heropolis where those were. And those became the target to which when the book of Revelation was written, the last book written to the New Testament church is uh, addressed to those churches. It's very much a part of what Paul did when he was in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, or Ephesians, I should say, happens to be the book that contains the majority of the New Testament revelation concerning the church, capital C, what the church is all about, the body of Christ, in using that metaphor for the church. By the time this was written, Christ had been building His church for about three decades. It began after the resurrected Jesus ascended to the Father and sent the Spirit to indwell believers just as He had promised that He would. The gospel first spread, of course, through the Jews, and it spread very rapidly to begin with because it was in Jerusalem that Jesus was crucified and resurrected. It was in Jerusalem that the Holy Spirit first arrived to indwell believers. It was in Jerusalem that Peter preached that first uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost, and uh, 3,000 Jews believed. Uh, In Jerusalem at that time, the, the message of the resurrected Christ 
could not be refuted by anyone in town because you could take them to the empty tomb. And there was no body, and nobody ever produced a body. It was, it was astounding. It was miraculous. Then, just exactly as Jesus promised in chapter 1, verse 8 of the book of Acts, the gospel continued to spread not only in the city of Jerusalem, but around Judea, the, the southern region of the nation of Israel. And then it spilled over into the Samaritans. And we made a big deal in Ephesians chapter 2 about what a big deal that was. Samaritans hated Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. The only solution to that kind of hatred is the gospel of Jesus Christ, where the walls of separation are knocked down. And then the biggest wall of separation was Jews and Gentiles. And then, just as Jesus promised, the gospel spread to the Gentiles. Meanwhile, God miraculously, as He was doing those things, you read along in the book of Acts, He also called miraculously the chief prosecutor, or, I'm sorry, sorry, persecutor of the church, a man named Saul from Tarsus. He called him to Himself and made him the special apostle to the Gentiles. Changed his name to Paul, Paul the apostle. Same message, same salvation, to the Jews, to the Samaritans, to the Gentiles. And it was bringing all of those together in Christ that is one of the main themes of the New Testament epistles. Now, Paul was trained by God supernaturally for 14 years. We're not told what other instruments he may have used during that time. Then then he was sent out from the church at Antioch to begin to plant churches among the Gentiles. Every place he went, Paul modeled what he taught, that the gospel is the same to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Every city he went to, if there was a synagogue, that's where he started. If there wasn't a synagogue, but he could find a group of Jews, that's where he started. He would evangelize them. Uh, as many as would believe would, would come with him, and eventually uh, there would be no more fruit to be had among the Jews, and he would turn to the Gentiles. One of the amazing and wonderful things about the gospel then is how from the very beginning, and as you see it in every place Paul went, it unites anyone and everyone who believes in Jesus Christ into one spiritual family. This family is called the church, the, the called out ones. It's also called the kingdom of His dear Son, Colossians chapter 1. It's called a spiritual building. It's called a spiritual family. It's called the bride of Christ. But the most unique metaphor that's not like any of the metaphors used for Israel in the Old Testament is, is calling the church the body of Christ. The walls are all down in Christ. We are all one. Now, the chapter that we are in, Ephesians chapter 4, contains much about the metaphor of the body as a way to describe the church. What had been playing out now for about 30 years in actual ministry was now being described theologically. So that we and all who have followed Christ since the first century can know our identity in Christ. Remember that theme of the book of Ephesians, in Christ. We can know what it means to be in Christ and know how to serve Him. 
That theme in Christ occurs 27 times in the book of Ephesians. I've told you that already. And the book breaks itself down conveniently into two um, almost equal halves. Chapters 1 through 3 are deep theological truths about our identity in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 are very challenging and deep exhortation about how to practice our position or our identity in Christ. And the first part of the second half of this book has a strong emphasis on unity. I've already showed you this several times, the first 16 verses of chapter 4. One through three is the ingredients of unity. Four through six is the theology of unity. Our target for today, four through seven, deals with the diversity among our unity. Eleven and twelve is the functioning of unity, and thirteen through sixteen is the fruits of our unity. Now, we learned at the beginning of this chapter that this unity that we have in Christ is not something that we are called to create because we can't. We couldn't if we wanted to. It's done by what Christ has done. We are one in Christ. And so the exhortation now is, you have been called to this exalted position, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, says chapter 1, verse 3. That's who you are in Christ. So now, walk or live Walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. How do you do that? Paul says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We preserve this unity. It's a supernatural thing. We can damage it, but we can't create it. We preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, that tees us up for these uh, for the next verses that we've already looked at, it's been a, as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks looking at them, verses 4 through 6, the theology of unity, where there's a very obvious theme word. The word one occurs seven times in verses 4 and 5. Twice it occurs in a triad. Verse 4, one, one, one. Verse 5, one, one, one. Verse 6, well, you're all one. You all belong together in Christ. So now we move on to, I've labeled it the diversity of our unity. It's also appropriate to say this is one of the explanations of why we are one in Christ. It's not because we're so cute and, and, and fuzzy and, and we just can't resist each other. It's because of what Christ has done for us. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, and He died to save us and make us one body, then the point is, we should be putting out significant effort. You might even call it being diligent, which says make it your highest priority. Make haste to do this. We should be diligent to preserve that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I also understand If God wants us to manifest our oneness, the enemy of God, Satan, wants to do anything he can to fracture us. And and I realize there are so many distractions, so many attacks on our unity, so many things that are just move it out of first place in our lives. We really have to fight that battle to keep the priority right. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.